never have a child. Welcome to the Baseball STL Podcast. JJ Bailey back with you once again. Producer Mike has returned. Mike. Hey. I miss you dearly, man. Yeah. I miss you dearly. It was, we had it was, Brendan in. Uh, we had to do it. We had to go on without you. You had uh, other, You were otherwise engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, two weeks ago, we missed. Uh, it was all PGA Championship all the time. I was out there. You were out there. Right. Followed a little Tiger. Followed a little Rory. Followed a little John Daly. <laughs> yeah. Big John the Bear. Um, I will say I've been yelled at a couple times about this. Uh, so I, uh, I normally I would not feel comfortable doing this, but I do want to say uh, my wife has yelled at me about not pushing this out there a little bit more. Uh, the weekend of the PGA Championship, I was very lucky uh, to freelance for the New York Times. Uh, I did not really want to mention it because it feels, you know, it's kind of uncomfortable. I'm not a, I don't like to I don't like to throw that kind of stuff out there i was just happy to get the call i also was shocked that i got the call but i did um and if anyone would like to read that story i wrote a story for the the times about the death of jared lyle and that's kind of why that week uh our podcast mike was out there from dawn till dusk i was (laughs) out there from dawn till dusk we just couldn't put it together in time so that's why i wasn't there but i would say uh, if you are of a mind to read some PGA coverage uh, two weeks later, uh, go find that story. It's about the death of Jared Lyle, and I, w- I had a really good time um, experiencing kind of the PGA side of things and talking to golfers. Never talked to golfers yeah, before, so that either. was kind of a cool thing. Um, lot lower stakes in some senses, uh, those interviews, than baseball, especially uh, <laughs> because it's kind of just a, a one-guy thing. Not a whole lot of teams in golf except for the Ryder cup that's coming up yeah that would um, be exciting. but when you switch back over to the baseball side you want to talk teams let's talk the st louis this cardinals team. that is a professional transition the st louis cardinals are 71 and 57 remember when they were 50 and 50 they're 71 and 57 they're two and a half games back in the nl central and first in the wild card race michael Dare I say, do we have a baseball team on our hands in St. Louis? Uh, indeed, we do. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I was going back through my tweets last night. Because if you follow me on Twitter, you know I've been pretty critical of this team so far. I even switched allegiance for a little bit over to the Oakland A's. We'll talk about more of them here in just a little bit. But, yeah, I went back and I saw that I tweeted that this team is 50-50 mm-hmm. right now, the definition of mediocri- mediocrity. Yep. And since then, they have rattled off 21 wins and 7 losses. Yep. And ha- are the best team in that stretch in baseball. They're the best. They're the best team in August. Yeah, August belongs to the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, they have won eight series in a row. They have won thirteen of their last fifteen games. They're the best team uh, in August, as we said, and they just completed a three-game sweep of the Dodgers in Los Angeles, and were largely guided by the hands of guys who aren't even old enough to rent a car. Jack Flaherty carried a no-hitter into the sixth. He gave up one hit it turned out to be a home run one hit on the night jordan hicks closed it out tyler o'neill had a home run paul DeYoung had a home run this this is a team you know matt carpenter and the run that he was on obviously colton wong we'll get to him in a minute but this is a team that is not only just on fire the you know the hitters lead the nl or tied for the lead in the nl in hits extra base hits home runs uh, they're walking the second most. They're striking out, I believe, the se- the second fewest amount mm-hmm. per plate appearance. 
they're averaging nearly five runs a game. They have pitchers. They lead the NL in the second half in the ERA, and they rank third in opponent percentage. This is a team that, and, and these are, uh, and, and, and that was just last night, by the way, those names I read off, Ponce de Leon. Yeah, the night, or two nights before, night before. Night before. Yes. These are guys that have, uh, in no disrespect, but really have no business captaining a, the NL's best team right now, and they're here. You know, we've talked about Jack Flaherty before, that this was probably the year before he arrives, yeah, right? next year was supposed to be, this was supposed to be Reyes' year, and the next year was going to be Flaherty's year. But he, he's all the way here, man. And, like, this is a guy that uh, a few... A few doubts could creep in about what is he going to do in the second half. You know, he's going to hit a wall. The major league demand on a pitcher is is much higher than at the lower levels. In August, in his four starts, he's not gone less than six innings. Which is my favorite stat of yes. his. He's not gone less than six innings. He's allowed ten hits in four starts and three earned runs. He struck out 33 guys and walked nine. This is the best maybe he's been all season when you go to a, from like start to start. And this is August. This is when he's supposed to start fading. Right. He's 22 years old. He's 22. And he was up against Walker Bueller last night for the Dodgers, who was 24. Great and they had pitcher. a pitcher's duel yeah. in late August at Dodger Stadium between the Cardinals and the, and the Dodgers. And it was, it was must watch. I mean, I'll, I'll admit the first two games of that series were interminable. I, they were six-hour games. They were unbelievable. I was re-watching the – I think it was the, the Jock Peterson at bat against Ponce de Leon, where it was like 14 pitches. Mm -hmm. And Ponce de Leon was like well up into the 50s, and it was like the second inning. And I was like, God, you know, when you want to talk about pace of play, those first two games were excruciating. Last night was electric. That was that felt like an NL Playoff CS. baseball, yeah. NL, you want to say NLDS, NLCS, whatever. That felt like a playoff series. That was yeah. uh, awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. And the fact that this team is on this level of run and they have Carlos Martinez, their ostensible ace, coming out of the bullpen. And there is no Adam Wainwright. And Luke Weaver is done from the rotation. And yeah. guys like Miles Michaelis are their most dependable assets. Yeah. And then you're starting Ponce de Leon and you're starting John Gant and you're starting a rookie, 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 Jack, Jack Flaherty, and your phenom Alex Reyes was lost for the year, and Michael Walk is not here. Like, how many how many more things do you need to run down before you're like, this should be impossible? Uh, isn't the saying outside of St. Louis, Cardinals devil magic? Yeah, or, or devil magic or pixie dust. Yeah. Yeah. It's It seems to, that way in, in 2018 because you go from everyone. Marcelo Zuna, sorry, on the DL. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're a cleanup hitter on the DL, and they're not a problem. Yeah. They outscored the Dodgers something uh, insane. I, it was like, let me look it up. Okay. Talk. Yeah, so it's just this run, and I think really this this series against the Dodgers really showed that this team is, is here to stay, especially you can go out to a place like L.A., a place that I don't remember a lot of <laughs> Cardinal wins in Los Angeles. Yeah. It's kind of like the thing where I don't know if I've ever seen the Cardinals win in San Francisco or Boston. <laughs> the, the Dodger, the L.A. Chavez Ravine is right up there with that. Um, so that was really cool to see. I think it was the first sweep of the Dodgers in L.A. since 2006, I think is what I heard on the broadcast last night. So that's uh, that was something pretty impressive. Um, but, yeah, and the coolest thing is you had – we had the Matt Carpenter thing once the season 
uh, once the All-Star break ended and we came back to baseball. Um, and that was, we kind of said that, you know, that's the thing that we're all holding on to. It's like, well, the team's not that fun to watch, but we have this guy, and he's amazing. Now everyone's kind of caught up to him. Yeah. If you look at this team, you have guys like Jack Flaherty, who we mentioned. You have a guy like Colton Wong, who yeah. you have never given up on, and he is playing. We'll get to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I woke up this morning ready for this conversation. Yes. Uh, and then you have the bullpen. The bullpen was horrendous. It was one of the worst bullpens in baseball. Now it's the best bullpen in baseball. Yeah. And now you add a guy like Carlos Martinez to the mix, who you can bring in for a couple innings of relief. Luke Weaver the other night came in and pitched two pretty good innings of relief, too. Mm-hmm. That's scary stuff. We're talking about, like, a few years ago when the Royals, when their starters were just like, hey, just get five innings, and we'll win yeah. this game. If you Pirates w- operated that way for yeah, a while, too. for a while. Um, so now the Cardinals are looking, and when it comes to October baseball, which right now the Cardinals – are in October yeah, baseball. They're an October team if you end the season. A, a bullpen is make or break, and right now they have it. They, they have the have bullpen. It. And and to go back to the outscoring, their offense is just on one. They outscored the Dodgers thirteen to six. They have outscored opponents since the All Star break one sixty nine to one seventeen. They put up one hundred sixty nine runs. I mean, they're you know three four weeks ago we were talking about this team. Where wh- who's the guy that you're trying to get to, right? right. And Marcelo Zuno was not the guy that you're trying to get to unless you need a single through the hole on the left side. Then it was Matt Carpenter for a while where he ascended to the, uh, the, the a plane of existence that only was inhabited by, like, Babe Ruth and Mike Trout. Right. Now, Paul DeYoung. Get to Paul DeYoung in the seventh, you can win a game. Get to Tyler O'Neill, you can win a game. Get to Harrison Bader, he's up at over 280. Jose you Martinez. Jose Martinez is still the there. Yadier <laughs> Molina had a home run. Yeah. This is this went from a one-trick pony, which was a a home run offense, but and generally one that was hitting home runs with nobody on base, to an offense that can hit for extra bases, hit for over the wall power, can steal bases, can go first to third, can execute very good bunts. Ponce de Leon, or yeah, it was Ponce de Leon's yeah. bunt was perfect, yeah. clinical. Yeah, that's all you need. Also, can all of a sudden play defense and. And can preserve a one-run lead. They can play good defense, but Tyler O'Neill <laughs> <laughs> needs to wake up in the outfield and realize that that's Harrison Bader's ball. <laughs> Tyler O'Neill is sort of like an ICBM <laughs> attached to a mitt right now. Um, and part of it is just, you know, he's he's all adrenaline, right? Oh, you know, yes. He's a rookie. and one, I mean, he's also just Shoot. a beast of a man. Right. And he's having a great season, and so you're, you're – you're trying to do everything on a baseball field. Right. Like, if he could physically run through a wall and catch a homer on the other side, he would try it. Um, but, yes, there, there's <laughs> that's some rookie stuff. You know what right. I mean? That's some rookie energy out there. And you just see Bader just – every yeah. both times they ran into each other, he's just laughing. He's like, man, I got the – like, <laughs> you've seen I, my defense. I, I can am, I'll I am catch arguably this ball. the best defensive <laughs> center fielder. Give let me I got it. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Don't, I don't worry need, about I don't, it, I don't need the help. I don't need the help. I'll exert the extra energy. <laughs> but if you want to talk about defense, and we're going to – like, this cannot go unsaid any longer. Go in, King. So I have been – Obviously, on this podcast, this season alone, but throughout throughout many years, um, an unapologetic, all-out defender of Colton Wong as a baseball player. Um, but most notably as what I believed, and if you go back and you look at my dumb tweets and stuff I wrote early on, I believed that Colton Wong could p- be the best second baseman in baseball, the way he played, the range that he showed. 
And early on in his career, he could he could make these plays. This is not the first time Colton Wong has made plays on the other side of second base, on the other side of first base, you know, in mid right field. He can make those plays, but early on he would he would fumble on the easy ones. The ball's right to him. It would pop out of his mid or he'd he'd short arm a throw. And it was always this like, God, if he could just get out of his own way, he'd be this great baseball player. Then he started to shore that up, and then the focus was always on his offense, and then it was sporadic playing time under Mike Matheny because, you know, if he went 0 for 4, he wouldn't start a game for three days. What I'll say is Colton Wong is the best defensive second baseman in baseball. A year ago in spring training, I know that it's old, and I know that I'm pumping old shit that I wrote, excuse me, but when I looked at plays made, like low percentage plays, plays considered impossible, by the fielding Bible, inside edge. Colton Wong made as many plays like that as Jose Altuve. He had a zone that is bigger than any defensive second baseman in baseball, meaning he covers more ground, considered to be ground that he now can cover routinely. That amount of ground is more than anybody else in baseball. He was doing this a year ago. It wasn't until he kind of found peace and started to hit a little bit that people took his entire game under consideration. This season, really, it's been about defense, and he's a 240 hitter. And yeah. he, can, he can be better than that, but he's a 240 hitter. But what he's done with the glove, this is kind of like when you fell in love with a band when you discovered their first album, and then two years later, their third album came out, and everyone loves them. And in some respects, you're just like, I'm so happy that this band is finally being appreciated by everyone but I'm also mad because it's like, where were you when their first album you came out? You sound like a Colton Wong hipster. I, that's, I honestly, I feel like, I feel like one. Oh, and you I know Colton Wong? Na name three of his albums. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there are, he, the, the best stuff that I've ever written covering this team, and, and this season I have written far less because I have had to not be over there as much for a lot of different reasons that don't bear going into between family life and, and work stuff and everything else. But the best stuff that I ever wrote while there was about him because, one, he's just such an intriguing talent. But two, Colton Wong is unabashedly candid. Mm -hmm. And his comments in L.A. when he said, if I don't win the gold glove, the MLB has to look at this award as being broken, which is a real heat check comment. <laughs> But it's, Are we sure that wasn't Tommy Pham talking? It's, that's a very Tommy Pham-esque thing to say. But what he's saying is right. If you look at it, no second baseman has more defensive run save. No def defensive second baseman has a better zone rating. No defensive second baseman has a better defensive rating. His ultimate zone rating is higher than everybody else. By every metric that we have, every deep dive metric that we have to quantify defense, admittedly some of them are flawed. But everyone that we have says he's the best defensive second baseman. And if you don't care about those, just watch. <laughs> just watch him play. He, that play he made was six to eight feet on the other side of second base. That is shortstop territory. Not only did he make the play, he made the throw. And he made the throw at a 45-degree angle. And that's one of many plays that he's made. There was a sequence that I, I, I've written about before where he made a play very similar to like that, and then the next play he made one up the line behind first base, back-to-back -back plays. He's done that. He's chased down balls in mid-center field before. 
So even if you don't like the numbers, you can't watch him play on a nightly basis. You can't watch what he's doing. The game-changing ability that he has to steal hits, to steal runs, to stop guys who would go from first to third, all of a sudden that's a double play because Colton Wong can get to that ball. It's undeniable. He's the best second baseman in baseball. In my opinion, he has been for a while, at least defensively. And it's, it's very exhilarating that nationally he's become so good that you can't ignore it. It's also a little frustrating because I'm like, why have – he should have been getting this acclaim defensively at least two years ago, if not earlier. And, and, part, of, and part of the reason, like I said, why I, why I love him and why I have, I have defended him forever is there are a lot of guys who are very professional when you interview them. They will, they will answer your questions, and they will be candid you know, uh, from a baseball point of view. Colton Wong, since the first day I walked in there, that, that he was on this team – um, has been a guy that is just a genuine, honest human being. He carried the being picked off in the World Series. He's right. carried that like, I mean, he he has carried that as as painfully as any fan who watched it. He still brings it up. He's not over it. He has been honest about moving away from a place like Hawaii and living in the Midwest and not being around water. Like he'll talk to you about anything, and you never feel like Colton Wong is putting on a show or a performance. He's being honest. And it's very hard not to root for people like that who, in a profession where they could definitely seal themselves off and definitely not um, let you see the humanity that lives under the jersey, he, he's incapable of doing that. He, has, he can only be genuine. He can only be honest. And that's part of the reason why I've always hung on and really hoped that he would reach this kind of final form because honesty – and, and, and humanity is rare when you have a relationship between reporters and athletes, right? Like, and, it, and they're not wrong for, for kind of shutting themselves off because, look, man, they, they got to go play this job. They don't want to open up to everybody. Colton Wong has always been that and has been honest when he's been frustrated and has been honest when he's like, look, I'm not playing well, but I'm still better than X, Y, and Z guys over here. And he's been right. And so when I it, – it's 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 – all I'm trying to do is explain that it goes deeper than just being like, oh, like I'm a fan of Colton Wong. Like, I like him as a person, and I always thought he was an amazing defensive player and a very intriguing baseball player because of the speed, because he hits from the left side, because he can play defense that way. And so this this reason that I will like literally go to war for Colton Wong at this point is not necessarily just because I'm like, oh, isn't it fun to watch him play baseball? It's like, no, this is a genuinely awesome human being, and – Given the the scrutiny that athletes are under, and and uh, how about a rookie getting picked off in the World Series, like those guys bear a lot of weight from the outside, and for him to be able to have put up with all this and the up and downs and the benchings and the non benchings, and then they wanted him to play left field in the rain, and then he was going to be a center fielder and all this nonsense for him to now be at this point, it's just like man, it's, I'm I'm super happy. I'm just super happy to see it, and. Then, as a fan of baseball in general, he is must much watch television. Like I know everyone loves Javi Baez, and I went in on Twitter and just should not have because the Cubs, <laughs> the Cubs are le- the Cubs fans are legion, and you know I said you know Javi Baez you defended yourself pretty well. I was I, proud of you. I, I thought so. I, Javi Baez is not the best hitter in his own division at the time. Is you know Matt Carpenter, um, but there you know part of it was like Javi Baez is entertainment, and that helps with the MVP voting. Colton Wong is as dynamic right now in the field 
as Javi Baez. You want to watch every pitch because you have no idea what you might miss. You know, like what weird feat of athleticism are we are we going to miss if I look down for this at bat? So I have gone in as hard as I can go in on Colton Wong. Honestly, if you're not a fan of Colton Wong as a baseball player, I don't know what to do for you right now. Because if if you love Ozzie Smith and you watch the Ozzie Smith highlights and lament that, you know, defense doesn't get the shine as much. Um, Colton Wong's your guy for the modern era. Like that's 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 the Ozzie Smith of this team. Am I wrong? Not at all. I'll fight every single <laughs> one of you, I swear. That's the thing. He's he is he has turned defense into what home runs do in terms of like what it makes the viewer feel. You yeah. get that same exhilaration watching some of the plays that he makes. And and Harrison Bader has done that earlier and Tyler O'Neill has done it a couple of times. Yadi Merlini has made a career out of it. Yeah. But what Colton Wong's doing right now is making fielding a ground ball as awesome as just bashing a home run. It's like uh it's like Steph Curry almost making the three-pointer. Yes. Like, it always was the dunk. The dunk was the coolest thing. Yes. Now everyone's like, damn, three points. That's that's yeah. where the highlights are. Now the Colton Wong is turning defense into and, the highlights. The way, like, Jason uh, Jason Williams made, like, the assist yeah. into a cool <laughs> thing. Steve Nash made it into a cool thing. Like, yeah. how's he going to get that pass in there? Like, yeah. it's, it's awesome. And I, I said, like, I think I said, like, my first day uh, as a Cardinals writer being down at the stadium and watching infield. I think I turned to uh, – it was either Jen or Derek, and I said, like, honestly, if there was a YouTube channel of Colton Wong just fielding 100 ground balls in practice, I think I'd watch it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I might pay $10 a month to watch it. <laughs> cause Subscribe. Because it's just – and even the little things that he does, and, I, uh, you know, I won't go too long on this, I promise. But, like, it's not just the incredible range of the diving plays or anything. One of the things that I've really harped on for people to, like, really appreciate about Colton Wong is his exchange on double plays. Yeah. The – if you time, if you try to time the amount of time the ball is actually in his possession when he gets a throw from the third baseman, the pitcher, or the, uh, the shortstop, that conversion of catch, it's out of the mitt and it's gone over to first base, is it's got to be one of the fastest in the league, yeah. if not the fastest. And that's the kind of stuff that can change, change whole innings and change whole games because if you're able to get that ball in and out that fast – you convert a lot more double plays. And I just it that's one thing like if you want the minutia to watch, that's stuff that I don't think gets enough appreciation. You know, everyone went bananas over Javi Baez's ability to tag people, which I refuse to accept as a thing. Like it's, it's very kind of cool. It's it's, it's <laughs> cool and it has flourished to it. Yeah. But somehow we just decided that like, oh, he's the best tagger ever and I'm not really sure. Like <laughs> yeah, it just looks awesome. Like yeah. but in, in that sense, if you appreciate the Javi Baez tag, look at the speed of Colton Wong's exchange on a double play. If you're a defensive, if you're a defense head, that kind of stuff, that's the good stuff right there, man. That's the, that's the uh, Pacino eating up the screen <laughs> or something. That's just what that, that's what makes baseball fun to watch. Now I'm done with Colton Wong. Until at least next week, <laughs> when he makes another play. And uh, and I wanted to chime in really quick with that play, um, that we've all seen a hundred times now. The coolest part about that, when that, um, when Justin Turner hit that ball where it hit, I in my mind I was like, he's got this. And it's things like that about this team. Where even last night in the ninth, I was like, they're gonna do this. We did not have feelings like that even this a couple is, weeks ago. This is the first time I think in this run. This is the first time Confident. all year that that anyone I think has that feeling. Yeah. 
that like I'm not sure how it's going to get done, but this team's do probably going to win this game. You knew wait, so when uh, after Peterson hit that home run, you're like they'll tie this up. This is this game's not over. It de- it definitely felt less like a a blow and more like a bump in the road. Yeah, like a, oh, yeah well, it's like all right. all right, well that's just a one we got to make up, and they do. It, it was funny because. I've talked about this on the first one that I was featured as a as a guest on on here. I talked about the uh, the Ponce de Leon no hitter. It's terrible to say, but when they took him out of that game and it was only I believe it was one to nothing. If, yeah. if I'm not, and I I was watching the game with my dad and I was like, they're gonna lose this game. This story of of Ponce de Leon pitching this, they will find a way to lose it. And it's just so frustrating because yeah. that I even had that thought in my mind. It's well, like, and well, the this fact that it up. comes true. Yeah. The, just like <sighs> the, the, the fact that that is a thought. That like, no, nah, this was a good story, but the, we're still going to lose. My yeah. mindset has completely changed because even last night when Flaherty was through five, I was like, he might do this. He's got a lot of pitches thrown, but I, I like the way this is going right now. My mindset's totally switched on this team. and I think it really – the. The, the purest distillation of that is I think for the first hundred games, you were sort of waiting for the team to lose. No mm-hmm. matter what the situation yeah. was, you're kind of waiting for that calamity. And since then, it's now you're waiting for them to win. You're just you're waiting yep. for whatever that moment of heroism is going to be. And the expectations are it, it's a completely different tenor watching these games. And a lot of that probably is credited to I think this will may, might be unpopular, but Schilt and Mosellock, I think, share credit for that because Schilt mm-hmm. clearly has unlocked a comfort in this team, has unlocked a different attitude, perspective in this team. But Mosellock also did the requisite house cleaning yeah. to streamline the the talent, to at least give look, identify the, the the tools that had dulled or were no longer useful, flush them out and restock the cabinet with something that you can at least weaponize. You know, it might it, they're young, they might be volatile, but might make they mistakes, gave, you, but they they gave you a better chance than the things that you were operating with. So I think they have combined, um, and it's sort of proof positive to what the front office said, that they believe that that was a playoff team. Mm-hmm. They didn't sell. They did a, a combination of buy and sell. Yeah, they, they, they did, like... I would say, like, they just up, they, they optimized, I guess. They mm. got rid of things that they couldn't use. Mm-hmm. They released things they couldn't use, and they picked up better versions of those things or at least tried to. Yeah. And speaking of that, the, the acquisition of the large metropolis, Big City He's Matt back. Adams. Big City Matt Adams has returned. Another one of the guys that I've always really yeah. oh, enjoyed, uh, both as a baseball player and as a, as a human being. He was – he. I always thought that he was this guy. Like, I know it's, it sounds like I'm doing hindsight credit giving, <laughs> but, like, if you – like, I promise if you go back and read some of my stuff, it, don't bother because I, you know, <laughs> it's old now. But if you want to, it's there. He was a good defensive second baseman. He, he was, was an underrated second ba- – I'm sorry, second base, first baseman. He was a good defensive first baseman, an underrated one. He was a hitter that did everything the team asked him to do. You know, he was a power guy. And then, you know, off the bench, he was a, a monster. And then they were like, okay, well, they're going to shift you, so you need to learn how to go to the opposite field. And he field. did. He did. We got to hit for better average. He did. Yeah. And then they were like, now nah, you're not doing what we want. <laughs> now we're going to throw you in left field. And now and now go gone. play left field. <laughs> and you're gone. <laughs> Unreal. Best the, – the only first baseman on the roster. They put him in left field. Yeah. So he goes to Washington. 
and immediately becomes the guy that he could have just been for the Cardinals. Right. Continues to be that. Washington is, despite what their comeback uh, Zimmerman walk-off home run might tell you, clearly it's over. thrown in the towel. They're done. They put Murphy on waivers. They put Adams on waivers. They put uh, Harper on waivers. Now, guys go on waivers a lot. Like After the trade deadline, pretty much every player in baseball ends up on the waivers just because you can do that, and so why not and just see what happens. However, like Bryce Harper was probably never going anywhere. I think I heard it was the Dodgers that claimed him. Yes, that but they the can claim uh, they can claim just to make sure the Cardinals right. don't. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. and, and he's on revocable waivers, which means if someone claims him, the, they can pull him right off, right. and then they can negotiate a trade. This is it's basically just a means to an end to trade these guys. However, by putting them on waivers and making it very obvious that pretty much everybody is ready to go, and then letting Adams go and letting Murphy go, they're done. They're, they don't expect to be in the postseason, and they certainly don't expect to be in the World Series. But you get Matt Adams who solves a number of problems for this team. Most importantly, I would say, you've got a left-handed bench bat Mm -hmm. that we saw it last night, changes the game. Because knowing that he's in the chamber, the opposing manager now has to really debate how they want to do the pitching changes because Schilt can send up, uh, let's say, Jose Martinez or Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill, yeah. And, okay, well... We want, you know, all right, well, we're going to switch pitchers. All right, well, I'll send Matt Adams then. We'll just undo your move. Yeah. Because he's clearly established that he is he is a threat, and he is a, a fairly polished threat that isn't going to completely wilt if he has to face a left-hander. That alone changes the dynamic of late the late innings because you now have you – can, you can go with either hand if you're Mike Schilt. It's, if you're trying to get a reliever out of there – Send Matt Adams up. They bring in their lefty guy. All right, send Tyler O'Neill up right after. Okay, their specialist is gone. Now they have to go to the next guy in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And he can take a game at first base, and Matt Carpenter can move to third if Jorko needs a break. He can move to second if Wong needs a break. Or he can take a break himself. Right. He gives you a, 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 a versatility a little bit on defense, and what he like he himself is not versatile, but he allows, he allows you to – to give Matt Carpenter, move Matt Carpenter anywhere, whether at the bench or another play, or another uh, position, and you have a real first baseman to take that spot. And then, if you put him in your lineup, you got a power hitter. If you leave him on your bench, you got a pinch hit power hitter. And he put up incredible numbers as a pinch hitter in St. Louis. I mean, that was just uh, to me that's a no brainer ad. And it's funny because he is a free agent yeah. coming up. Like Matt Adams could end up back on the Cardinals <laughs> full time. Which would be really entertaining and also kind of cool, I think. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm thrilled. Um, Matt Adams was one of my favorite players for a long time. I have his jersey at home. Oh, um, a <laughs> jersey. Okay, I'll probably break that out though. He is wearing number fifteen now. Yeah. Um, for the time being. For the time being. Um, no, I I agree. Whenever you look at teams that make runs in the postseason, they have that bat off the bench where like oh. This team's struggling. We need or this in this game in the postseason. Yeah. We need somebody to come in. Those those winning teams have that guy. Matt Adams can be that guy, yeah. and even a Tyler O'Neill can be that guy. Now you have a righty with power off the bench if you need it. If O'Neill's not starting, and now you got the lefty. 
This yeah. is they are building a postseason team right now, and Matt and, Adams and is a critical piece. And that. Jose Martinez. And Jose Martinez, if he's and not starting. If yeah. you're looking at like when this, uh, you know, this is way card before the horse. But if you were to make it to the World Series, boy, wouldn't it be nice to have Matt Adams <laughs> yeah. as a DH? That would be nice. It's a that was a and and might go underappreciated, but like one of those moves that, like you said, addresses the we're missing this piece if we're really going to mm-hmm. go all the way with this thing. That's that piece. Yeah. Uh, I the see big the, skinny. The, the big kitty. <laughs> He's got those soft hands. Also, uh, fun story about Matt Adams. One time he got really mad at Jim Hayes. Um, so I think this is I, – I, I probably won't get in trouble for this. But he had gotten a puppy, Matt Adams had, and he hadn't been able to see the puppy for a while because it was, it was back home and he was, he was playing, playing ball. And the puppy's name was Tonka. And he told Jim that – uh, you know, he had kind of come out of a slump recently. He told Jim, "Is like I actually like got to see Tonka and like hang out and like just kind of put me in a great mood, put me in like made me feel a little bit looser, a little bit happier." And Jim went and reported that on Fox Sports Midwest that he said, "Oh, he, you know, I got this. He got this puppy, and they finally got to see it." And after the game, I thought Matt Adams was gonna just crumple <laughs> Jim Hayes up into a cube. He was mad about that. He gave him, he gave him all kinds of stuff for like, <laughs> what are you doing telling that stuff on it? Because Matt Adams also had that kind of like burly, hulking, kind of imposing. Yeah, like he had like he yeah, had like to keep up want, that. You don't want people to know that you like just missed your puppy. Like I get it, but that was kind of a, that was like that's one of those things. I was like, how do you not like guys like Matt Adams, man? Yeah. <laughs> like that's awesome. Like I just need to see my Pride dog. A slippery rock. Now on your uh yeah weirdly enough I know uh I'm my my ex girlfriend worked with a person who went to that college with Matt Adams at oh. that time and I was like I was just assumed that Matt Adams was o- the, the only, only <laughs> ever student of Slippery Rock <laughs> University but apparently it's a true thing and he was a beast there too yeah he was a bigger fella th- at that time also now nah, I won't tell that story <laughs> I see in the sh- uh the show doc uh Mike thinks that the Marcelo Zuna to the DL was planned. I do. I think for a long while it's. I I do. Um, he's had the shoulder issue all season, and really, they talked on the broadcast last night. He even struggled with it last season, which was a year that he, you know, had 130 RBIs. Um, I think this is. He can't throw. He cannot throw, and we saw him. I believe it was Tuesday night. It might have been Monday night. He had a throw at the plate, mm-hmm. and you just the Dodgers knew that they had the run. I think oh. it was, I think believe it was Turner that scored, and he was not hustling because he I, knew he could make it. If I'm on second base and there's a single in the left field, I I mean you yeah. can look at me. You know I'm not exactly the fleetest of foot. <laughs> I would take my chances right yeah. now, and that's like it's 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 not meant to like mock him. It's just like he clearly he can't, can't throw. He can't throw right now. So I think I think this is a smart move. They did. I think this is something that they had been thinking about. Like hey, once we get to the end of August. We'll get you that cortisone shot. We'll let you rest for a little bit because then we're going to need you yeah. down the stretch, especially if we're in it. And they're in it right now. So I think this is a – you know, they have that 10-day DL now for, I think, reasons kind of like this where you can yeah. just kind of give guys, why don't you just take a break, let that shoulder heal up a little bit because we're going to need you to go all out for the next month and a half once you come back. So I I think people need to panic. Mar- Ozuna will be back. He'll be – I think the same guy, or maybe even better, with with that shoulder yeah. feeling better. So I th- I have been thinking that this is something that they were going to do for a while. And I I agree with you. I think like you target something like this. I think maybe maybe it's a touch earlier than expected because yeah, you know that's you eyeball the September roster mm-hmm. expansion where it's like okay now we can absorb right we can absorb this loss a little easier. But I think after watching, it's noticeably worse. Yeah. At least it appears to be worse. Um, 
he like the throws have nothing on them. And I think even his his swing has been a little more stiff lately too. And yeah. he had the home run the night before he went on the DL, but even that swing just is like He's a you know loosen up a little. He looks like a statue up there. He's still yeah. hitting great. He's batting two seventy five now. He's got sixteen home runs, sixty nine RBIs. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, but he, I think I think this is good for Ozuna to take a little bit of a break. And I think right now, I mean, if it was three weeks ago, you're gonna be like, oh boy, yeah, boy, I hope Matt Carpenter can hit a home run right. every night. Yeah. Now, you know, this offense appears more than capable to absorb mm-hmm. this loss for a period of time. So, I think you're right. I think they're gonna need it. I mean, they need him in the lineup. There's yeah. there's no doubt about that. But even if he needed to stay down for three weeks, yeah, the only you thing get, you get help coming from the minors on September first, right? The the one thing that's disappointing is I kind of looked at the schedule also. After this Rocky series, it's Pittsburgh and Cincinnati who have kind of faltered. So those are games you can make out. But God, I wish we could have watched him at Coors Field. Just oh, he I had know. that he had that home run early in the season where he hit it four eighty against the Brewers. Yeah, I would have loved to see him hit a Coors. Yeah, that was that that home run was the uh, I call that the reminder home run. Yeah, where he was. Everyone's like, man, Ozuna doesn't look like that guy. Then he gets that oh home boy. run. It's like, oh right, he can do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Martinez, Carlos Martinez, briefly out of the bullpen. Um, I think the question you posed here was, how does Mike Schilt use Carlos Martinez? Mm-hmm. And I think my my immediate answer is, uh, he's your Andrew Miller. Yeah. Uh, or at least the Andrew Miller from the the postseason run where they. Played the, they ended up playing the Cubs. He's your guy 16, that yeah. you're in trouble uh, in the fourth. He can throw three innings for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got bases loaded in the seventh. Can't burn Hicks yet. Can't burn Nor. He's your guy. Like, he is the uh, – he is the uh, – I called him the Michael Clayton, but I realize not a <laughs> lot of people have seen that movie. So I'll call him, like, the, the fireman. He is – The fixer. The fixer, yeah. He yeah. is the bag man. He is uh, – What's the character in uh – the Harvey Keitel character in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, the wolf. The wolf. Yeah, he's <laughs> the wolf. You know, it's 20 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. Yeah. Like, that's that's what Carlos Martinez is if he's coming out of the pen consistently. He is your all-world talent that you can throw in any inning if you right. need it. He's probably not going to close out a game because you've got a, a fairly established routine for Bud Norris at this point or Jordan Hicks. Right. But he, if you have a closer-type situation anywhere else in the game, Carlos Martinez is your guy. Yeah, and I – and even – Maybe not in his high leverage situations. I think Luke Weaver can be that guy right now too. Um, yeah. He's he's, you know, not as he's had a rough year, but I think he's a guy that could come into a role like that, especially if you're if you have a starter that str- struggles really early. And the nice thing, Martinez's worst inning is usually the first. Yeah, so now exactly. he doesn't have to do it. So just don't make him the the opener <laughs> yeah. that they that they've been trying out, and yeah. then I think you're good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I mean that seems like the fairly obvious solution, right? Like you have. Mm-hmm. What I think is, hey, hey, there it is. Like, Carlos Martinez is 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 going to win a Cy Young. That's my belief. Yeah. You have Cy Young talent, or at least if he's not going to win it, he's going to have that Adam Wainwright run where yeah. he's in the top three for three straight years yeah. or something like that. You have Cy Young talent. Just use it to solve every problem. And his skills, I think, are kind of they align more with that kind of pitcher too. You know, he can he can hit almost a hundred. Oh, so yeah. now, he, in in situations like this where he doesn't have to worry about stamina, he can just air it out on those and hit that yeah. triple digits if he wants to. So I think I think it this is a this is a very good, especially how well the rest of the rotation is pitched. You don't feel the pressure to throw him back into there. You can let him kind of rehab while still playing, and I think that's a pretty good situation to be in. Well, and if it's and if you're worried about like the the longevity of outings sort of impacting the health, start some of the younger guys and know that you mm-hmm. have. Martinez and Weaver in the bullpen. So yeah. if you got to hook Ponce after four innings, 
you've got a couple guys who can take you to the seventh. Yeah. You know, if you you know if you got if if one of these guys gets just roughed up, fine. Pull these guys out. Let them throw a couple innings. You could stack Weaver and Martinez back to back and finish out a game if you got a five run lead. Yeah. So I. I don't get this still, Brent. Uh, you know, we talked about this. I, I'm still not entirely sure why this was the immediate move. I mean, I, you know, health and some things like that. But now that it is the move, okay. Yeah. <coughs> there's there's plenty of good here. Like, there's yeah. plenty of good yeah, usage. They can make it work. Also, quick note about Ponce Leon. That guy is insane. Oh, dude. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, had, some max, <laughs> he, he had some, he had some <laughs> Max Scherzer energy. Uh, <laughs> I love it. After that, that uh, foul ball, not foul ball uh-huh. thing. Um, boy, he was—he was fired. I, they up. cut away on the broadcast, um, <laughs> but I was a hundred percent sure he was going to go stab that umpire. Yeah. <laughs> like he was—he so was talking about that Puig looks like he got. Yeah, it was the it barely was, grazed Puig's glove. No, no, I'm talking about the one. Well, he was, was fired up after that too. Yes, but I'm talking about the one that was. It was uh, down the line. Oh yeah, Jerko yeah. made the play at crossing yes, over the foul yes, line through yes. home. Molina was the, fired up about yeah, that. Yeah, got the yeah. out at home, and. They're like, no, 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 no. It was foul. Send everybody back. Possibly was so hot that Martinez, Jose Martinez <laughs> is out there in his chest like, dude, chill. Hey, 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 chill. And I think part of that is he, he kind of went through. He That was those first two innings. He threw a, an Ooh, insane amount of yes. pitches. And he had so many at-bats that like guys were just like nicking mm-hmm. you know, a uh, fastball and, and like fouling he it off at Jack Peterson. Yeah. And like then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's ball two, but it was right on the edge. And yeah. so like there was some mounting frustration there, but he went – he went hot. He was steamed after that play down that was line. Fun. Also, brief note, super dumb rule about Major League Baseball reviews. You can review fair foul, but it has to be past the bag. Yeah. I've yeah. So if you wanted to review whether that play was fair or foul, you can't. That's and so that was that but that got him hot. That got him real hot. But he's he's got he's had that intensity. You know, we talked about when he came back, he 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 was like they wanted to put the L screen out there nope. so him to throw, and he said, absolutely not. Like, yeah. I was back when I started throwing off the mound. I don't want to do this. Like, he's yeah. he's got, like, a, 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 a smolder to him. And so, uh, I think, I mean, it, it erupted into some flames there in Chavez Ravine, but. It worked. Kind of fun to see. Yeah, I like it. Cardinals haven't really had a. Like, since Carpenter, probably. Eh, Lackey would get that way a oh, little yeah. bit. Uh, <laughs> Lance Lynn could get that way a little bit. Yeah. Um, but Lance always felt like he was more mad at himself. Or like then, mad at like then, then like a danger to everyone around yeah, him. I would like say Max Lackey. Scherzer had like Chris Carpenter, Max Scherzer had that energy that were like I didn't, he could <laughs> this could down, this could very quickly turn into a killing spree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lance Lynn never really had that to him, but I think Ponce has a little bit of that. To yeah, him. I like it. I like Flaherty's energy, man. Flaherty yeah. always seems Flaherty reminds me of like he could be a Chris Carpenter where he has he could he could turn into that. Have you ever you know like when you like you get in an argument with a friend or something? And the friend doesn't say anything. He's like, okay, fine. And then just kind of like walks away. And they have that walk where like, oh, man, he's really mad. Oh, yeah. Jack Flaherty has that that energy Edge. to him. When yeah. he walks off the mound, like he's clearly just like strolling. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like he's just like enraged deep down inside <laughs> that like anyone would have ever fouled a pitch off. I like I like these young pitchers. Man. Yeah. They got a, they got the, the right kind of vibe to them. All right. Round baseball. Mike, how are the A's? Uh, the A's are amazing. They're uh, in the playoffs still. They are one game behind the Houston Astros, the defending World Series champions. They just had a really good series against them as well. Um, yeah, the A's. Uh, all about the A's. Um, I'm, I'm they're, nervous. They're, I think they're they are going to be the uh, – if you don't have a team already or if like your yeah. team didn't make the postseason, I think they're going to be the people's choice because I think they have the magic going on at – 
in Oakland in the same way that the Cardinals do, especially at home, where if they're down by seven runs in the seventh inning, it's sort of like, boy, I can't wait to find out how the A's win this game. It's kind of like the opposite of when they lost to the Royals in that wild card game. Because yes. I think the Royals were down like six runs in yes. that. The, the A's kind of have that right now. This, Yeah, this definitely feels like a, like a blessed season. Yeah. It's kind of cool. And the Yankees are... They're, they're still in that number one spot, but they've kind of faltered a bit lately after they got that four-game sweep uh, when they got swept by the, the Red Sox in four games at Fenway. They need, they need to watch out because if Oakland jumps up into that one spot, that is not a place where I want to play a one-game playoff is Oakland. I no. know New York is a tough place to play. Well, and, and, and New York is the exact kind of team that a team like Oakland – like New York yeah. is the offensive juggernaut with mm-hmm. incredible home run power, and it just feels like they're the team that also um, – they don't have a home run, yeah. And th- you keep waiting for the home run, and it's not coming. And right. then a team like Oakland just steals three, four bases, has a triple from somebody, and all of a sudden it's a five-one win for Oakland. Right. And Oakland gets knocked a lot because you know fifteen thousand people will show up to a game on a weeknight, but stadium's not good. Um, and it's a garbage stadium. It's a, it's a gar. It's the worst stadium in baseball besides Tampa. Um, but Wait, those really? fans are crazy out there. And if you get a one-game playoff in Oakland. Yankees should be scared of that. You do not want to play in the playoffs in Oakland, California. No, I don't think so. I, I mean, they had that vibe back when it was the Baron Davis Warriors, where they had the decibel yeah. levels and stuff Oakland, like that. Great sports town. They uh, certainly a passionate one. <laughs> um, briefly, uh, as part of the Nationals towel throwing, um, Daniel Murphy's on the Cubs. Right, the former Cub killer. A. Uh, Great in the same way that uh, Matt Adams was an absolutely great necessary ad for the Cardinals. Uh, I feel like Murphy fits exactly. Murphy's like a a younger Ben Zobrist. Like yeah. he can play three positions. He's a three hundred hitter. Not good defensively like Zobrist, but no. But he can he, he can, can man those spots yes. enough, and he's a three hundred hitter for his career. You know he's got a slugging. Uh, you know he had that twenty seventeen where he was just, and or twenty sixteen where he was the. Had the best slicking in OPS, and then he followed that up with a good 2017. Mm-hmm. This year, he's not quite as strong in that department. He spent you know. some time on the DL as well. Yes, yes, um, but he, you know, he's not slugging quite as well. But that's another guy. If you need, you need that X factor on your team. The car, uh, the the Cardinals got Adams. The Cubs. Addison, Addison Russell has really struggled since the beginning of July for the Cubs. Yeah, so he has. So now you have a, a up the middle of Baez and Murphy, and that's. Cubs, they, they need to make a move, and also they lose Darvish for the rest of the year. He's yep. done. So they uh, things are looking a little bleak on the north side. They're still in first place. Well, they should be looking over their shoulder they, at this they point. Should be. If you're not, yeah, if, if the Cubs aren't worried about the and Cardinals. I think uh, Cardinals and Cubs are done until the last series of the year. If yeah, I'm correct, that's I the next time so. they play each other. So yeah, they're, they're taking looking a forward to that. <laughs> um, speaking of schedule, before we wrap this up, obviously this upcoming series with Colorado and Colorado is – must watch this is yep. playoff baseball yeah um and this is a rockies team that has been right there in some of those offensive uh categories in the second half right kind of nipping at the heels of the cardinals um these are two teams that are kind of they're at this point now with the cardinals very fun to watch yeah um this you know a series in cores is insane because it can be a pitcher's duel into the eighth inning and finish 13 to nine <laughs> so like this is going to be a really fun series. And then the Cards get a little bit of a, a breath here. Uh, they play the Pirates and the Reds. Then they have a road trip to Washington, who at that point will probably be out of it. And then yes. you get a, uh, after that, you go to Detroit, yeah. which nothing. 
But then the final three weeks of the season, you have some very tough series. Yeah, home against the Dodgers at Atlanta, home against the Brewers at Wrigley to close it out. Um, if they're playing like this, this is this run that they're about to go on post Rockies is again we've identified. I don't mm-hmm. know how many of these this season. This is where you got to stack the runs. Mm-hmm. You got to put your savings in the bank. You got to have these wins. You got to have this offense. You got to have this defense. You have to capitalize on playing teams that you should beat. And very similar, we they had obviously we talked about that that stretch in June where they had like 13 games against last place teams yeah. and then they had like 15 against first place teams. At the beginning of August they had a series against the Royals and the Marlins, two of the worst teams in baseball. They went 5 for 6 in that. Yeah, that's didn't go the great. kind of and that's the difference that we have seen since well, Schultz taken over. And that's why I keep yeah, that's why I kept yelling about you got to stack those wins yes. because 5 and 6 Again. If you if you, I mean, if you think about that, if you go eight and three, you're in first place in the division right now. Oh yeah, yeah. And and you don't have to earn it against the Rockies in Colorado. You know what I mean? That's the kind of stuff where it, like that becomes so critical. So they have another stretch like that, Before and then the way they end this season, man, if they make it to the playoffs, there's no way anyone could say they didn't earn it because they're running right through every challenger in both wild card division and then mm-hmm. division leaders. Right. I mean, you're like. That's it. You're you're finishing running uphill in water, and so if they make it, uh, you know, that's there. There was no. Uh, it, it wouldn't be like 06 where like all they had to do was win Stumble. one game on the last game of the season and they lost, lost. but Houston <laughs> lost. So here they come. They fall ass backwards in. You know, like this this team. I can't believe I'm saying it, but this team absolutely looks the part. They look for real, don't they? They do, and it's exciting. Well, Mike, you are for real. You wow. are, you, Thank you. You run the decks. You co-host with me. I appreciate it. The listeners appreciate it, and they should show that appreciation by following you on Twitter at Mike Steve Ritter. I'm tweeting more about the Cardinals now. Less A's, more Cardinals content. Uh, he's a he's a he's a bandwagon tweeter, but he's a great producer and a great man. You can follow me on Twitter at the JJ Bailey. Don't waste your time. We will see you again next week. Could be talking about the first place Cardinals, but in the meantime. Be nice to each other.